I'm a real supersonic, pass the ball like magic. Sean Kim or Larry Bird, the old school Mavericks. I got basketball cards, gonna sing a little more. I got basketball cards, now enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Godfather Nate Milton. And right now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, show me your basketball cards. In the spirit of the great names of the past, like Dikembe Mutombo, and not Michael Jordan, but Baby Jordan, Harold Miner, Drazen, Arvidas, J.R. Ryder bringing that East Bay funk. I bring to you the man who met World Be Free and Danny Ferry, your host and my brother, Zaire, also known as Bandana Z. Welcome to another episode of My Basketball Cards. I'm your host, Bandana Z. That's right, Zaire, ready to bring you some more uh, basketball in 1989, 1991. We just really want to Give a big shout out to Paris Alexa, the person who sings the theme song to the show. Um, you can check out her album, Too Real, on all streaming platforms. She is amazing. And also we want to give a big shout out to Brother Nate Milton, who uh, did the intro. Um, this show is, is growing, and I appreciate people like them who are very creative in helping this show get better. As we continue to rifle through... Uh, the 1989-90 set of Hoops basketball cards, which was the first um, the first year that Hoops ever produced basketball cards and was the first basketball cards I ever bought as a collector. I had been collecting, once again, baseball cards since about 1987. Um, didn't know that basketball cards existed until one day I went to a grocery store and um, I saw these basketball cards, and I was like, whoa, they got basketball cards? This is amazing. So, um, yeah, once again, you know, Hoops basketball cards, the first year, like, that's my favorite set. I don't care how much they're worth. Would love for them to be worth millions of dollars, but that doesn't matter. They're just very sentimental to me because that's the first uh, set of cards that I ever got in the basketball uh, genre. So this episode is a uh, special episode to me because we're talking about a player that I grew up watching a whole lot. His name is Bradley Lee Darty. That's right, Brad Darty, uh, an all-star center for the Cleveland Cavaliers and a very underrated basketball player. You know, let me let me say this. These days, uh, the game is really more so about the wings and the guards, the point guards, the scores uh, from the outside uh, with the evolution of the three-point shot and the popularity of players, you know, like Steph Curry and James Harden and things of that nature. And even your big men now are um, more, more shooters than post-up players these days. And that's not knocking today's product. Uh, I think the NBA today it is uh, relative to its audience, and it is doing a great job in relating and changing to, uh, to the times. However, I, I do believe that there is a place for some of everything. Everybody does not have to play the same way. Everybody does not have to be a stretch big. You can be a post-up big, and if you're really, really good at it, you'll dominate and be great. So um, that being said, 
Brad Doherty, um, you know, is a player that I would recommend any kid that is coming up who is a, a, a post player could watch. And while you are working on your front to the basket game, you can work on your back to the basket game. You can work on your pick and roll, your passing. He was all, he was a very good passer. And I think, sorry, I had to clear my throat there. I think that um, Brad Doherty, you know, would be a great player to learn from as far as just being um, all around in your offensive game. I coach a group of kids and I, I ask them, who's your favorite center? Or how many of you, your, how many of you, um, has a center as, as your favorite player and nobody's hand went up. Everybody's favorite player was a guard or a wing. And so the fathers that were attend, in attendance during the practice, you know, I was just like, yo, we all had, um, if you grew up in the eighties and nineties, you know, you couldn't get through your top five more than likely without having a big man, at least a power forward that attacked the basket, but probably a post player as your favorite player as one of your favorite players, top five or 10 favorite players. And so, um, you know, these times are a bit different. So let's, let's go back and let's talk about Brad Doherty. Um, Brad Doherty, once again, is like I said before, is one of the most underrated centers in NBA history. If I didn't say that before, I meant to. Um, underrated and undervalued, in my opinion. Um, he was the first draft pick in 1986 and became a two-time All-Star by the time the 1989-90 season arrived. In 1989-90, it was a tumultuous year um, for Brad Doherty. See, prior to that, in 88-89, the Cavs were 57-25. They had the second-best record in the East during the regular season. During the 89-90 season, the Cavs traded star Ron Harper early on, and we did a, a few episodes dedicated to the Ron Harper-Danny Ferry trade earlier on in our podcast, so you can go down in the archives and check that out and really learn about how that trade happened and why that trade happened. Um, in 19, um, or let me let me go back, um, the Cavs All-Stars uh, from 89, or from 88-89 were Brad Doherty and Larry Ness. Um, and the next year, they missed a combined 61 games. This is for the 89-90 season that we were talking about that was tumultuous. The Cavs dropped to 42-40. and 40. Brad Doherty played in 41 games. And in those 41 games, the Cavs went 24-17. and 17. So you think about it, the Cavs were 42-40 and 40 during the 89-90 season. But when Brad Doherty played, they were seven games over 500 instead of two games over 500, which, were, which they were overall. He had um, his one of his least productive seasons that year, only averaging 16.8 points per game and 3.2 assists. And he also shot a career low 47% from the field. Now, when you talk about Brad Doherty, uh, over his career, he averaged 19 points per game, 3.7 assists, and shot 53% from the field. Um, and, and he would later have... Uh, Three straight seasons where he averaged over 20 points per game uh, later in his career. So Brad Doherty in 89-90 uh, actually played his best basketball during the playoffs. And he showed up big in the first round loss to Philadelphia. And that Philadelphia team featured Charles Barkley. 
Charles Barkley was the star of that squad. Um, in the first round series, one that a lot of people forget because the Cavs played the Bulls a lot in the first round during those days and uh, would be exited <laughs> uh, famously. And um, But during this season, in 89-90, the Cavs actually played against the 76ers. And I also remember that series where Hersey Hawkins just took it to anybody that tried to guard him that series. He was a uh, all-star shooting guard for Philadelphia. But Brad Doherty uh, averaged 22.8 points per game, four assists, 9.6 rebounds, and shot 58% in a five-game series. Now, back in those days, the first-round series were best uh, three three out of five. And um, the Cavs actually pushed that to a fifth game. The best performance during that series by Brad Doherty was game four. He kept the Cavs alive to force a game five. Uh, that day was May 3rd, 1990. Brad Doherty scored 34 points, shot 12 of 15 from the field, 10 of 12 from the free throw line. And um, he really made his mark that day. Um, unfortunately, the Cavs really laid an egg on game five. I remember watching that. And they just they went... Uh, the first two games of the series were in Philly, Philly won, and then the second two games of the series were in Cleveland, Cleveland won, and then they went back to Philly in that game five. They just stunk it up, and Philadelphia advanced in the playoffs. Um, over the next three seasons, Brad Doherty was an all-star. He averaged over 20 points and 10 rebounds per game each season, so that's from 1990, uh, the 1990-91 season to the 1992-93 season. Uh, the 1993-94 season was his final time on an NBA floor. At 28 years old, he had back issues, and um, that caused an early retirement. And he finished as the Cavs' leader in points, rebounds, and he was third in assists. And that's pretty good. If you're a center and you can be in the top three of us in assists in your franchise history, that's amazing. Um. These days, I think he ranks third in points, fourth in rebounds, and seventh in assists. And he's also second in franchise history in field goals, field goal percentage. Uh, after his career, uh, you don't need to feel sorry for Brad Doherty. He's uh, had a pretty good post-career as a commentator for basketball and NASCAR. And he also owns his own stock car racing team. He has a real passion for uh, racing, uh, just growing up in North Carolina, which is where he, he was raised and born and all of that good stuff. Um, trying to find the city. He was, I think he was from Black Mountain, North Carolina. And so, you know, if you grew up in North Carolina, chances are you like basketball and auto racing. <laughs> so Brad Doherty was uh, definitely a, uh, a, a trendsetter in, in, in the auto racing industry because you, d you don't think of it as, you know, a lot of African-Americans being involved in that sport. Uh, but Brad Doherty, you know, kind of changed the face of things when he said, hey, I'm going to be a part of this. And so that's pretty cool. Um, but once again, going back to how underrated he was as a basketball player, I, you know, people kind of look at me funny when I say this sometimes. We um, recently saw one of the greatest careers in NBA history when we saw Tim Duncan. 
compete for the San Antonio Spurs. And Tim Duncan, by far, um, you know, when people say top power forwards ever, absolutely. Whether he's number one or two, three, four, five, I'm not sure. Um, you know, the championships, the people will put him at number one for that. Um, but to me, like, just as an individual talent, um, in my eyes, you know, Kevin McHale at his best was as good as Tim Duncan. Carl Malone at his best was as good as Tim Duncan. Um, you know, that's that. But it doesn't take away from how great Tim Duncan was. But when I look at Tim Duncan's uh, post play, he, to me, was Brad Doherty on steroids. Um, very fundamentally sound, very calm, not too high, not too low. That's how Brad Doherty played. He wasn't, he didn't overdo it. You know, he, he played in a, in a pretty calm state and he was really good. And there was not much you could do to stop him from doing what he wanted to do in the post, as well as in the pick and roll with point guard Mark Price. And unfortunately he played in, a, in the wrong era and his career ended very abruptly at 28. Like imagine if Tim Duncan couldn't play past 28 years old, you know? Um, and so with him having to retire so early and actually he, he tried to give it a go, maybe one or two more years after that, he just was never able to get back on the court. Uh, so that's a, a reason why a lot of people kind of sleep on him because they really didn't get to see much of him, um, you know, especially like if you're talking about people like most of the media now in basketball, they're young, they're they're in their 20s and 30s. So if you're 30 years old, you were born in 1980. Uh, and chances are, you know, if you didn't live in Ohio in the Cleveland area, you probably didn't see much of Brad Doherty um, because you probably weren't screaming to watch the Cavs. A thing about the Cavs was that they were a team that really, while Brad Doherty was a great player and Mark Price were great players, but they, they didn't have that charismatic superstar. Ron Harper was turning into that and they traded him. Uh, they were more of an ensemble, uh, which I mentioned before in those Ron Harper, uh, Danny Ferry trade episodes. The Cavs were more of an ensemble and the average NBA fan wants to watch a star. So you you watch Dominique Wilkins when he was on TV with the Hawks on TBS. Uh, you watched, you know, of course, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. The, the NBA does as good, probably the best job in marketing individuals as any pro sport ever. Um, and Brad Doherty was not a me, look at me, me, me guy. He was very, very, very a team-oriented guy. And team-oriented guys are very good for the league, but the league thrived on superstars and guys that, that loved the spotlight and performed very well in the spotlight. And I'll say that Brad Doherty performed well in the spotlight for the most part. There, you know... He had his playoff woes sometimes, but in general, you know, he did some great things in the playoffs over his career. But um, he just, he wasn't, um, he did not have, like, like Hakeem Olajuwon, he was a big man with charisma. 
Um, he was a big man that let you know, hey, this is my team and, and I'm going to carry this team to the next level. I remember Craig Elo, who was a teammate of Brad Doherty, sometimes questioning like, yo, Brad could could score 50 if he wanted to. But I don't think he always wants to. I remember him not saying that verbatim, like it wasn't a direct quote, but it was a um, just like a thought that he kind of said out loud, like, yo, if Brad wanted to score 35 every night, he could. But I don't know if he wants to. Like, you know, that's the thing. And, and I think that was the case. Like, Brad Doherty was a total team player and a perfect player for a Lenny Wilkins coached team. And, um, yeah, so, if, you know, it's crazy. We're talking about the 89-90 season. And when you look at the prime years of his career, um, which, I mean, he was so consistent. Um, he never his rookie season he averaged fifteen set point seven points per game and eight point one rebounds, and after that, the next year eighteen point seven points per game, eight point four rebounds, eighteen point nine points per game his third year, nine point two rebounds. Uh, the scoring dipped his his fourth year, and I think it was really due to that injury sixteen point eight points, but that's as low as it got. Uh, over the next two, two, uh, three seasons, twenty-one point one points, twenty-one point six points per game, ten point nine rebounds, twenty-one point five points per game, ten point four rebounds, twenty point two points per game, ten point two rebounds. The guy was a, he averaged a double double three straight seasons, um, and came close to it five straight seasons. Actually, he averaged a double double four straight seasons because his fifth season he played fifty games. He was he was banged up. His back wasn't good. Um, his shooting percentage in his fifth season, which was 93-94, uh, the prior year, 92-93, he uh, shot 57% for the second straight year. And when you shoot 57%, I don't care where you're shooting from, that's really good. And his number dropped. His his injuries were so bad, his, his shooting percentage dropped uh, nine points uh, from 57% to 48%. Um, and that just wasn't characteristic of Brad Doherty. Both years where he shot under 51%, he was battling injuries. But still, he averaged 17 points and 10.2 points per game in his final year. So four straight years of averaging a double-double. Uh, six years of, or two more years of flirting with a double-double. Seriously, um, the guy just really was an excellent basketball player. And if you could go on YouTube and check out how smooth he was fundamentally, you would appreciate his game. Um, could he play today? I believe so. You know, there are people that, oh, the game is faster. You know, great players figure out how to adjust. And I, I think that there are some players from the the bygone eras who would have figured it out just like they did in their time. Um, and, you know, when you talk about the great centers of his time, there was Hakeem Olajuwon, there was Patrick Ewing. Think about this. David Robinson didn't come into the league right away. He got drafted, I believe, in 87, uh, 87, 88 season, I believe is when he got drafted. And, or it may, yeah, yeah, it could have been 86, 87, but I think he got drafted in 87, 88. But no matter what, he got drafted and he took a couple years to do um, some some things, some obligations for the Navy that he had to do before he could play in the NBA. And 
So the top three centers um, during Brad Doherty's first, you know, three or four seasons, he was one of the top three centers in the NBA. Um, once David Robinson came, it kind of knocked him down a notch. But he still, you know, was a, a five-time All-Star. You know, he still was uh, All-NBA in 1992, 91-92, All-NBA, um, which... Is is amazing if you can make All NBA um, during a time period where David Robinson and um, first team, well, not well, actually it was third team All NBA ninety one ninety two. But if you can make it and knock out either David Robinson, Hakeem Olajuwon, or Patrick Ewing, that shows how good you were because everybody wasn't doing that during those days. Um, those three guys were seen as a standard during their time. Uh, especially in the early '90s, and Brad Doherty was right there. He was that. He was pretty much that fourth best center in the NBA um, until you know Shaquille O'Neal arrives. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, unfortunately, '90, '89, '90 was a rough year for him. But he still, you know, he was young. He was 24, and his best basketball was ahead of him at 25, 26, 27. It's just, just. Crazy to think what would he have done into his 30s? When would he have slowed down? Because his body, he wasn't super athletic. So he he had he could have played old man basketball and been effective because he wouldn't have lost much when it comes to speed and things of that nature. Because he wasn't like super freakishly fast. You know, he just was very, very well skilled. But unfortunately, the physicality took its toll on him. Uh, and during those days, the game was very, very physical. You could hit someone and get away with it. You could punch somebody and not get ejected during those days. So um, just an interesting time in the NBA. So I look forward to uh, going over some more of these uh, play basketball players in, in my basketball cards from the 8990 Hoops Collection. Thank you for bearing with my basketball cards in its first year. Uh, you know, we we put out these episodes. I try to at least put out one a month uh, lately. And so this is your episode for December, and it's about to be January. So it'll probably be January after you when you hear this. Um, but it is December 31st, New Year's Eve. I appreciate you all for listening to the previous episodes. Um you can tweet us at Rebel Life Media if you have any concerns, any requests, any questions. Um, but we are going to continue our series of the 8990 Hoops series. And uh, thank you once again. Thank you once again to Paris Alexa and Nate Milton as well for your contributions to my basketball cards. You all enjoy 2021. Stay safe and uh, do everything with love. Thank you.